Hey everybody, this is Matt. And Nicole. On this episode of After the Kid Goes Down, we're going to watch Source Code. And Bombshell. Let's go. So, we're five episodes away, counting this one, I think, to the end of season one, which means we're almost 100% done with the 100 movie bucket list. What do we have, like four episodes left? Something, something like that, counting this one. Um, on this episode, Source Code is the movie from the 100 movie bucket list. Um, I know it's got Jake Gyllenhaal in it. I don't know. Oh, I don't know what this is at all. It's a. I think it's like a. It's a sci-fi movie. Early and young Jake Gyllenhaal, and I don't know if he's trying to solve a murder. It's a sci-fi type of thing. I know that. I wish we were watching The Net with Sandra Bullock. Could you stay on task, please? Do you remember that movie? <laughs> uh, I remember seeing the the cover in a lot of places, right? Big red letters, net, right? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, like scary. It was like kind of whatever. I loved it as a kid. Anyway, I don't know what this is at all, and I have zero expectations. Huh, okay. My expectations are it was probably made by a man. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's about it. I'm not a huge Jake Gyllenhaal fan. I'm like a medium Jake, you know, could take him or leave him. But uh, after, which you've not watched this with me because, like, you refuse to, um, John Mulaney's Sack Pack Lunch Gang or something on Netflix, um, I watched an interview with John Mulaney talking about how they got Jake Gyllenhaal to play, I think he plays Mr. Music in that. It's like a sketch comedy thing um and they got jake gyllenhaal to play mr music and john mulaney 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 whatever um i believe in you just talks about like how like utterly insane jake gyllenhaal is and how he just throws himself into any performance no matter what it is i liked him in Um, far from home as mysterio did i see that spider-man the second spider-man no you went and saw that without me Oh, I didn't see right. that. That was probably another one that I was pissed about. You go see like these franchise movies that like, you draw me into the franchise, and then you go and see. You do the same thing for James Bond. Did I? You get to the third movie in the fucking franchise, and you go with Tyler. And I'm pretty sure you did the same thing for this one. You went with Tyler. I would Whatever. Go you would you... rather be married to Tyler. Wow. It's fine. Tyler is Matt's best friend. I don't do it secretly. I appreciate sure that you're like meh, and I went. No. Well, anyway. He was good and far from home. Anyway. So, yeah. So, after seeing him as Mr. Music, which Matt has still not seen him as, but if you have not, uh, you should. Because it's it's good. He's so ridiculous. So, yeah. So, I'm like, that's like the last thing that I saw him in. So, I'm kind of, I have like this refreshing or this like refreshed view of Jake. I mean, I know that he's tried, you know, I've never seen it. Was it Nightcrawler or something like that? That's the one that got a lot of press that he acted in. Um, I mean, I just, I don't know. He's not, I've never seen him in a role that like really impressed me. 
seems like a good guy. I also did not like Donnie Darko. I was going to say, so, what's the movie with the dark bunny? Yeah. I remember being very underwhelmed by that movie. And even, I liked Donnie Darko because I thought I was supposed to like Donnie Darko. That's what I mean. Is it had the, it, Donnie Darko had like this mystique to it. And it was like supposed to be Ooh, cool and deep. And I like remember watching it. I was afraid and, to tell people that I didn't like it. Yeah. I remember. Well, I wasn't. I was very vocal. Like, I don't <laughs> understand why this movie is a big deal. Um, anyway. So that's my only expectation. Let's see what you got, Jake. And I'm also curious to see why it's on the 100 movie bucket list. Yeah. Like, this is a movie that I feel like I haven't heard a lot about. So, like, no. but it's on this bucket list with, like, you know, some pretty big movies. But I feel like that was the same with Drive, which we didn't yeah. watch for the podcast, but we, wa- we, like, we basically watched that one right before we started the podcast mm-hmm. and it was on the list. And I was blown away by how good I thought that film yeah. was, how unique it was. Well, yeah. And um, now I so- see it everywhere, too. You know. Hopefully, this will be the same sort of surprise. Hopefully. Now, Bombshell. Yeah. Do you know anything about Bombshell? Um, It's about the... Uh, all the... Roger you know, Ailes. What? Roger Ailes. That's, I couldn't remember his name. But the, yeah, all the, the sexual harassment scandal mm-hmm. to do with that. He's, that's Fox, right? Yes. I know it involves uh, Megan... What's her face? Megan Kelly. Yeah. Played by Char- Charlize Theron, I believe. I think she got nominated for Best Actress. I believe so, yeah. I'm really excited to read Ari's research on this one because I think she actually... Because I remember, you know, just from reading the celebrity gossip um, that I read, everyone made a huge deal out of Charlize Theron's prosthetics in this mm-hmm. movie because she does not look like herself. She looks herself. like Megan Kelly. She yeah. looks exactly like Megan Kelly. Um, and I forget... Uh, what she actually had put on her eyeballs to give her, like, that heavy-lidded look. It was, like, a prosthetic for something else. And there were all these stories about it at the time. So I asked Ariana to look up, like, the history of the prosthetic. So I remember, we can yeah. go into that a little bit. Um, I remember seeing the trailer and thinking that and thinking there's a, yeah. there's a clip in the trailer where the three women are all in the elevator together and thinking like, wow, they all look like the real women of Fox. Yeah. Um, but I believe, I mean, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, that Charlize had a hand in her makeup for hmm. Megan Kelly and creating that look, which was pretty cool and for whatever reason, like really big news at the time. So... Well, I, and I, well, I do remember what the, when it, the movie came out, it was supposed to be this big deal. It was right, I think, in the early Me Too movement era. Yes. And, I, and then I remember it, like it, didn't, it like disappeared. Yeah, and like it got, no- still- it got nominated for some best actress in acting things. But the the consensus I think I remember hearing was, and we've talked about this before in this podcast, is the movie wasn't good, but she was good. Well, so. I mean, but it's Charlize Theron, Margot Robbie. Yep. And Nicole Kidman, correct? Yes. So, I mean... Those are three pretty big names. Yeah. I can't think of a role that I've seen Nicole Kidman in that I didn't like. Yeah, she's great. Margot Robbie not only is, like, one of the most beautiful women I've ever laid my <laughs> eyes on, but, like... Yeah. She's also good. She's yes. the, you know, what we've seen her in, she's been fantastic, so... Yeah. And then... She, Which makes her, like, hotter in a weird, yeah. weird way. Charlize Theron is just also phenomenal so yes. i think it's you know we're in for at least three I, good performances and i think john least. lithgow plays roger ailes if i remember correctly 
Yeah. I love when John Lithgow plays like a creep. Yeah. Because even though I've seen him in Dexter, I've seen him play that creep role. I still, it's still Third Rock from me, the Sun is what I always yeah, think of him as. Yes. Because he just, you know, that seems like it might be close to like his real personality. So when he plays that like Or he's really role, a creep who's good at playing a nice guy. Maybe. <laughs> but he gives me chills whenever he does it. Yeah. So. No, he's pretty good. I think he has a pretty decent stage resume too like i think he's like he's a well-trained classic actor so but i don't remember hearing much again like this movie kind of i feel like fell flat when it came out so i would like to know what what it was competing against and what happened and we might know when we watch it maybe it's just not a good movie or it's too corny or too over the top or that's it bothers me when they do these movies they're doing one right now with pam anderson and tommy lee when they do movies based on events like too close to the event like the hollywood keeps making that mistake and it never works out like remember there was a 9-11 movie like a couple years after 9-11 like they they always do this and it's like it's like they can't wait they just want to get it out now it's like well well i mean there's been a few pandemic movies too about like living through the pandemic yeah it's like it's like freaking andrew cuomo like releasing like how we survived the pandemic when like no one it's we didn't we didn't survive it yet yet, technically andrew um it's yeah you're just you're shooting your load too quick hey oh andy cuomo (laughs) shooting his load that's what he does too soon uh no it's not too soon anymore enough Uh, he wasn't let's not He's just like, let let people live their lives and do their work. Not him. The women that he harassed. <laughs> All right. Let's, enough of that. Yeah. I'm, I mean, at the very least, we're in for some good performances. Yep. And I think, yeah, it'll be interesting to dissect what went wrong with this movie. Is it the movie? Is it timing? Um, Maybe. You we know, can get I, into I, that. I don't know. Well, there's only one way to find out, Nicole. Watch them. Very good. Let's go. Source code. Released in 2011. Currently available to rent on Amazon Prime. Directed by Duncan Jones. Written by Ben Ripley. Starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Michelle Moynihan. Vera Farmiga and Jeffrey Wright. A soldier wakes up in someone else's body and discovers he's part of an experimental government program to find the bomber of a computer train within eight minutes. Okay, so we just finished watching Source Code, which is available on Amazon Prime to rent, right? For three ninety nine. Yeah. Didn't didn't you say it was available on several platforms to rent? Yeah, almost on anything for three ninety nine. What were your thoughts? I almost feel bad for it. Not almost. I do feel bad for it. Because okay. I'm gonna judge it based on the fact that it's on our one hundred movie bucket list. Yeah. And it does not in any shape or form belong on any top one hundred list ever. Yeah. Um but that's not to say that it was a bad movie like it was enjoyable it was action-packed it wasn't terrible it's just like there's nothing great about it and the whole time like the fact that it was on the bucket list like ruined it for me 
essentially. Because the whole time I'm like, what the fuck is this doing on a bucket list? Yeah. No, I think well, that was a good way to put it. Like, the bucket list ruined the movie because the whole time, like you're saying, I'm waiting for it to take this next, this next step or introduce something, you know, big. And it never did. It, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed like, it This too. is a movie I would recommend to other people. But... Like, we, we said, I don't know if it was this episode, or we've said this before, we're like, movies on our 100-movie bucket list seem to be either film part of the film canon, right? They were either really big releases and made a lot of money and a lot of people saw them, they started some franchise, or they're just, like, iconic films. This is none of those three. <laughs> so, like, so it, it, when its budget was $32 million, you know, worldwide, it what made 147 million. So that's a that's a lot worldwide, but not groundbreaking. Yeah. Domestic 54 million, so it grossed 20 million domestic, which isn't like anything to write home about. Yeah, we're not talking. It, crazy I mean, it numbers. premiered at South by Southwest, but again, so do a lot of films. I don't know. I mean, I I enjoyed it. It, it reminded me of I don't know if you've ever seen the film with Denzel Washington. Is it Ridley Scott's film? It's called Deja Vu. It's kind of a very similar concept about like using time to solve an old crime. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might mean for that to rhyme, but um, <laughs> same concept, right? So you know, I, it was interesting. It was like a high—I wouldn't call it high sci-fi, but it was like no, it wasn't because the. The timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly stuff was convenient rather than yeah. practical. I mean, it made me think. It was interesting. It was, you know, I thought the third act, you know, once, like, and we, anytime, I feel like anytime these, these movies are done right, I keep feeling this, Palm Springs, Groundhog's Day, Deja Vu, like halfway through the movie, you start to get sick of, okay, I'm watching the same time loop. And the good movies add an element that wants you to keep watching. And this kind of did that. There was this element of, like, what's going on with him in real life. Mm-hmm. You know, you stopped caring about the... To me, I stopped caring about the bomb explosion. Like, that's not really what was driving me to finish the film. It was Jake Hall's character. Like, what's his backstory? What's he got going on? Is she gonna pull the plug? Like, all that stuff. The bomber and the terrorist ended up being, like... Just some crazy white guy, like, yeah. <laughs> like, How like, appropriate. yeah, yeah, like no, like you know, no master plot, no terrorist organization, just some guy who's like who had the most token villain excuse ever, which is like we gotta rebuild the world, but first it's got to be destroyed. Yeah. Like, oh my god. <laughs> so like, I appreciated the extra depths they took with it, but like you said, it, I wouldn't call it. It's not a groundbreaking film. I've seen more mind-bendy films, right? You know, yeah, we've definitely seen more mind-bendy films. You know what it reminded me of? What? Avatar. Avatar? <laughs> I like. I would say I like this better than Avatar. Um, yeah, be- it just simply because he, like, gets to live this whole other life through another oh, body. Oh, yeah, I get that. But, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. It was not, like... Again, like I'm, I'm being harsh with it because it was put on this list, and so. Let me ask you this then: If it, you think if we had just picked this movie randomly and just watched it, what would you think about it? If we were like bored one night, pre-podcast, and we're watching movies <laughs> for shits and giggles, 
and we found this movie or somebody recommended it to us, what'd you think? What would you think? I would think that it was fun. Yep. That uh, it was an interesting concept. That the, but it was like pretty like other than the the source code actual aspect of him like living through someone else's brainwaves. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty basic yeah premise. Um, and it was also like nobody's best outing. Like I she was good. Not Michelle Monahan. Monahan, the other, the other one, the one Vera that played Vera What? Vera Farmigia. Yeah, I thought she was good. I mean, I've seen her in better stuff. Um, you know, she's phenomenal and up in the air. Uh, she was okay. Jeffrey Wright, I friggin' love Jeffrey Wright. He was like worthless in this movie. No, he was worthless. He was good. Also, like. I mean, none of them it, are great. It's only just dawned on me with this movie that Jeffrey Wright is like consistently typecast as like the big nerd oh yeah he's like always playing like the scientist dude even he's in... kind of like a jeff goldblum type of actor yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> like even in even in uh hunger games yeah he's like the he's like the intelligent dude <laughs> i mean he looks intelligent but also i mean he's kind of sexy like let jeffrey wright have like have like get some or yeah, something well, at some like point I said, yeah Jake Gyllenhaal was okay, and Michelle Moynihan, she's been, I've seen her do better. Yeah. I mean... Wasn't she in, uh, was she in that movie um, that was directed by Ben Affleck? Wasn't that her? Yeah. What the heck was that movie called? And she was fantastic in that. I mean, again, nobody in it was bad. I think, like, it's not a bad movie. Nobody in it was it's bad. It's just a medium movie. It's just, yeah, it's a fun movie. Um, I mean, what's crazy, it's got, it got, it's got like a 92, 93% around tomatoes. Um, Roger Ebert, who Roger Ebert's reviews are always like, I have a love hate relationship with him. He swing, he swings hard for the fences on his movie reviews. He called it an ingenious thriller. Um, 3.5 out of four stars for Roger Ebert, which again, like, why? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Well, he, in his review, he was saying how, it's a very pre- pre- preposterous sci-fi plot. Like mm-hmm. you thought, the, the the like you're saying, the vehicle of it was like ridiculous, but all the other elements made it very interesting to watch. But I wouldn't call it ingenious. It was mm-hmm. like good, but like again, like nothing groundbreaking. It made you think a little bit. Um, it hooked me. I mean, I was into the movie. It's a cool yeah. 90, which was nice. So you can pound it out easy. Yep. Um, you know what it is? It's, uh, what do you say about, uh, IPAs? Oh, it's crushable. Yes. Nothing <laughs> 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 like, <laughs> uh, the analogy, we're going to start reviewing our movies compared to beer. Right, yeah, though? It's like it's a crushable just like, IPA. It's just like yeah. palatable. It's just easy to watch. It's, yes. There's not, I mean... There's supposed to be like this twisty element of like what's happening with the time stuff, but it's really not that difficult to understand. Yeah. Um, it was kind of like, you know, we've talked about on this before because Nolan is all, all over the 100 movie bucket list that Nolan films have this thing about time. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is kind of like a poor man's Christopher Nolan film. Oh, absolutely. That's you what I'm what saying. I mean? It's not. Not very deep. It's convenient. Yeah. Time theory. It's not even time theory. It's just con- it's, it's like convenient. Memory. It's convenient playing with time. Yeah. Christopher Nolan's time theory is like on point. Oh yeah, I know. Um, That's what I mean. Is this was like 
I mean, I don't know who it was written by. Uh, it was directed by Duncan Jones, who is David Bowie's son. Uh-huh. Um, and I guess Joan Hall was hired before Jones was hired to direct it. And Joan Hall, like, pushed for Jones to direct it. So, I mean, I guess he this is the type of movie he makes, but, like... I don't know. I mean, it, it was I think it was handled probably. It was probably directed better than it was written. Like the more I think about it, because again, mm-hmm. the story's not great, the dialogue's not outstanding, but it, the fact that the pacing was good, it kept you on the edge of your seat. You did think at least a little bit. Like, so I would say it was well directed, fairly well acted. I don't know if you're ever bored on a Friday or Saturday night and you want to watch like a fun movie. <laughs> Find source code yeah. three ninety nine. Like <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, um, I don't really know that there's all that much else to. There isn't. The, uh, can we talk about the ending? The the, sure. the tippy top ending. Spoilers. So if you don't want to hear spoilers about the very end, just skip to our next review. But when he, so he texts her. Mm-hmm. Is so now he's obviously living in a parallel universe. And, yeah. and so everything we're seeing is in that parallel universe, right? I think so, like yeah. Her getting that text is in his new created branch. She's part of it, yeah. Yes, right? Because his body's still there in the friggin' box. Yeah. So he's still, he really did, so he, even in that universe, he died. It's all, that's taking place right after, no, the bombing never happened, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's not that hard to figure out. I just, like, I feel like it was trying to make it, like, a big, giant twist. And I thought, and when it was happening, I was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. And I thought about it for, like, 30 seconds. And I was like, well, oh, we're just in his timeline now. I think, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think if you're, if you're not into time theory mm-hmm. slash haven't talked about it as much as we have, which I feel like I finally... Maybe a little bit brought you on board with yeah. just accepting time theory for what it is. Sure. Um, maybe to like a casual watcher, this would be a little trippy. But to me, it's just like, okay, well, they just yeah tied up that time loop in a nice little bow and moved on. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I quickly looked up a couple uh, an interview real quick at right before we hopped on, which I know we're not supposed to do, but I want I wanted to see if. I was oversimplifying the ending. Mm-hmm. And the first article I came across was from like IndieWire and somebody interviewing Doug Jones. And Doug Jones is just like, yeah, I made a movie about like parallel universes. Like that's, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like essentially saying that it is pretty straightforward. Like, you know, that's kind of, I guess that wasn't, he wasn't trying to twist us up. But it felt like at the end, it felt, I thought it was going to go somewhere where like he had communicated through the source code and it was in, it was in the, you know, I don't know. I thought they were going to take it next level. And yeah. They just, they just, they just didn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you could say like, because you know they're going to see the Bean in Chicago, yep. and he stops and he's like, because he's seen it in like the flashback. He's things, yeah, yeah, he's seen it as he's traveled through. Yeah. His neurons into so like did he have a window into this alternate universe already? I guess would yeah. be the only next level stuff you could think but, about. I don't like. Hmm. Yeah, I had a thought, but I forgot it. <laughs> oh, and I, I did. It was interesting about how they end up. I was curious if they were going to show his body in the box, 
like how they were going to handle that. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was, I thought they did it well. Um, I don't know if it needed if I needed to see the whole half carcass in there, <laughs> but I will say the one thing it did do was it made it it made me side with her more to unplug him because when mm-hmm. they're that, that's the debate of the film: do you unplug him and finally? end him or do you use him to save more lives jeffrey wright's argument and i found myself be in that moment being like, oh, i could kind of see jeffrey wright's argument like if you're gonna wipe his memory he's not gonna know anyway mm-hmm. but then when you see this lump of meat essentially plugged into this thing you're like oh man he's a he's a fucking human experiment like that's fucked up yeah a man who's saved yeah vet. Li- yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, a war hero who saved lives in real life and through his brain neurons. <laughs> yeah, and they're just going to keep him plugging along. Yeah. yeah, that's... That's what I mean, though. It was nice. I thought they hand- they did that well. I think yeah. that's probably the reason they show it to you. Because when you first see the box, you're like, oh, it's a coffin. And then they show the box from another angle. You're like, that coffin's not people size. And you're like, oh, <laughs> he- Jake Gyllenhaal must be half of a human. Yeah. So that was a good decision on their part, I think. Well, because I think that your brain also... When you see the half box, right, you almost imagine something like, like I almost imagine something more gory than what it was. Almost like just his brain or something? No, because you see his face, you see oh, the side of his head yeah. before that. But like, I don't know, the fact that like they had like the, like the plastic sheeting. Oh, yeah, sheeting yeah. They had him like the cleaned bottom, up. Like, yeah. yeah, it just, it made it. But his brain was, it was like sticking out. Yeah, it was so much more like clinical yes. which somehow made it more awful Correct, than yeah. just seeing like intestines yes which is what i was expecting well and then also when finally at the end of, the camera pulls away and you realize she's not actually talking to him she's just reading text because his yeah. brain's firing that that brought made it a little real too like that yeah. that was those were the nice moments that i thought elevated it a little bit yeah because the Agreed. whole time i'm thinking like why are they even doing the camera thing why is she even talking to him and then when you saw it from from her perspective of they're essentially just finding other ways to trick his mind into communicating. You're like, oh, damn, she's just talking to, like, literally his neurons that are firing, you know? Yeah. So it made it a little more... And her being a soldier as well. Yep. Or an officer as well, versus the doctor who's just... I don't want to say he's an evil scientist. He obviously has... He's trying to do it for something better. Um... But she's been in combat, so there's obviously going to be more of an emotional attachment. Well, because he asked the, the, the evil scientist, Jeffrey Wright, at one point, have you ever been in combat, and he doesn't answer. I mean, Jeffrey Wright, I don't think, he's the antagonist of the film, but, again, he has good intentions, because he never comes across as money-grubbing or anything, he just comes across as cold, right? He just, to him, Jake Hall is literally, a, essentially, a piece of equipment. Yeah, but he's also, you know... We finally have the the thing we need to defeat whatever. Yep. Like that's such a common thread yeah. in well, military military dehumanization, as yeah. Kubrick would call it. Yeah. yeah. Well. All right. So, what do you want to give it? Uh, I think I'll give it a. What are you gonna give it? I'll give it a B. The more, the, the more I talk about those things, I'm like, I appreciate, like I said, how it was done. B. I think I'm going to go B minus. Still, I mean. Yeah, good movie. Yeah. Not, shouldn't be on the 100 movie bucket no. list. Let's cut it out on the poster. <laughs> we'll cut a little square out. 
Bombshell, released in 2019, currently streaming on Hulu. Directed by Jay Roach, starring Charlize Theron, Margot Robbie, Nicole Kidman, and John Lithgow. The provocative real-life story of three whip-smart, ambitious, strong women who anchored one of America's most powerful news networks, becoming headlines themselves when they risked everything to stand up to the man who made them famous. Okay, so we just finished um, Bombshell, which is currently on Hulu. Um, Nicole, what are your thoughts? I thought it was really good. I thought it was really good. Yeah? It's uh, pretty tough to watch. It was, it was good. good. It was almost like, <laughs> not that it wasn't hard to watch women get harassed, but that's almost like, um, I think for many women, that's a given on some level. I don't think every woman in the workforce has been asked to give a blowjob for their job. Yeah. But uh, most of us have at least given up some form of bodily comfort um, and just dealt with something a superior man decided he wanted to give us. Yeah. Um, Hopefully not always, like you say, to the Roger Ailes extreme, but. No. Yeah. Um, but it happens. Like a lot, <laughs> but it was almost, so. My point is, it was almost harder. I spent like the entire Trump presidency not listening, like purposefully not listening to him speak. To Trump. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, reading transcripts whenever there was a speech that I felt was important enough that I needed to know about. Yeah. So this whole movie has like his voice in the background which is, like, probably the first time I've heard his voice in five years. Uh, yeah, and it's it, impressive. Uh, it, I know. It was a feat and a half. And every time I heard it, I was like, ugh. But anyway, what did you think? No, I thought it was good. I think it is one of those movies that was uh, probably better. I know, my watch keeps hitting the doing? table. I'm sorry. I'm covered in a, in a blanket because you turned the house AC to like 60 degrees. It's like a fridge down here. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was good. I think the acting was better than the film. Like, I don't, I mean, it kind of reminded me of uh, The Big Short, where it was like very clearly the point of the film was to show us. It was almost like a, doc, a fictionalized documentary is yeah. how it kind of felt. You know what I mean? They kept having little subtitles underneath, underneath people. This is who this is. This is who this is. They had that moment about three quarters of the way through where they showed the six women that came out against Roger Ailes before he was running Fox News. So they kept, it had that big, short type of feel to it, I thought. But I thought all the women in it were incredible. I mean, obviously... obviously you know, it got nominated for three Academy Awards, Best Actress for Charlize Theron, Best Supporting Actress for Margot Robbie, then Best Makeup and Hairstyling, which we can get to in a minute. But I thought most, I thought Margot Robbie, let me tell you, man, I know she's an absolute smoke show of a human being, <laughs> she, but, uh, she, but she can hustle actor nuts off. She really off. can. Like, she can, 
she's very good and and i almost said megan kelly megan kelly's not in this film even though you wouldn't know it um but charlie's theron is very good they're all good um it's a very well acted even john lithgow i thought was good i mean it's just it's a that was the you know that was the one number one thing out of the expectations was we felt like at the very least we were going to get a well acted film, and, and we did. We one hundred percent did. Yeah. From and they're so like Alice and Jenny. Yes. Uh, Connie Britton. Yep. Um, Ducky. Yeah, <laughs> Ducky from Mad Men. Yeah. Um, yeah. like you know, uh, friggin' um, Trisha Helfer. Like there's so many. Your boy there, Duplass there. Mark Duplass. Yep. Oh, he's so good. I love him. <laughs> Um, Shout out to like a, the league. A billion league cameos. Yes. There was just like cameos all over this thing. Yeah, it was good. And and it was well acted. The cast was incredible. It had a, you know, it, it's funny because if we can go to the, the makeup and hairstyling for a minute. I mean, so it's the same guy that did the makeup for, was it The Longest Hour? Whichever one where... Gary Oldman played Churchill, The Darkest Hour. Okay. So that guy did the makeup for that, won for that, retired. Charlize Theron was like, I need you to come out of retirement to do my makeup for this film. So the guy came out of retirement in 2019 to do the makeup for this. And the makeup's incredible. And it's funny because I was reading an interview with the with him about the film. And he was like, it's tough because you don't want to you don't want them to mimic the real life person because then it looks like an SNL sketch. But you also don't want it to look fake. And I think he did a pretty good job of that. Every once in a while, it kind of came across as the SNL type of, I would have slap a wig on him. But, man, Charlize Theron looked like, it was like Megyn Kelly <laughs> playing Like Geraldo Kelly. Rivera. Yeah, the Geraldo Rivera one was a little <laughs> ridiculous. But, like, it was funny because, like, Neil Cavado, the guy that played Neil Cavado from Fox News, like, they pretty much just put glasses on him. Yeah. <laughs> like, for the minor characters, they didn't try awfully hard. But for Roger Ailes and Megyn Kelly and Janine Pirro, like the big names in this, the the, the you know obviously um, Gretchen Carlson, they did a fantastic job. Like yeah. the makeup's insane. So you said that it was uh, like watching a fake documentary. Yeah, I thought so. And they like apparently, I'm like trying to. So we got we got a listener review from someone who works. Um, in the industry and has friends mm-hmm. uh, who worked for Megyn Kelly oh at the time. Yep. So I'm not going to name any names. But uh, apparently, um, like, the the filmmakers, the writers, like, did their research to the point where um, the character who uh, our, our listener is friends with is named for her daughter. Like the oh, researchers wow. okay. knew the daughter's name cool. before, like without asking this person, and named that character the daughter's name. Um, and uh, our listener said that the, it just a lot, like a lot of what goes down in this movie is one hundred percent accurate. The real life people who were involved uh, in this were happy with okay, they're happy with the portrayals. Okay, that's um, good. With the exception of Megyn Kelly not liking the scene where she tells Kayla, I'm not here to protect you. Oh, okay. But the rest of it... Well, probably because like, that scene doesn't doesn't paint her in a great light. So, no, of course, she's not going to like that scene. But, um, 
the rest of it was I, there's a reason why I felt like a documentary. Yeah. I think it's because they did their research yep. and played it out. So. Yeah, no, I mean, it, and the fact that it's that truthful is makes it all the more powerful and interesting. I mean, it's it's funny because I remember when the Roger Ailes stuff broke. I'm kind of a political news junkie. And I remember when it broke, but I remember not really knowing a lot of the details, Megan, seeing Megyn Kelly's name thrown around, seeing Gretchen Carlson's name thrown around. But now to see it from the inside out, which is what this film does, it puts you in Fox News studios and tells it from essentially their point of view um, was super interesting. Uh, you quickly realize, I mean, again, you always heard the name Roger Ailes, but if this movie is accurate, you didn't realize how much he really had his, how involved he was mm-hmm. with the day-to-day operations of the of the news media, which on one hand, and they point to, they allude to this a lot, is what made him kind of a, uh, I mean, great's not the right word, but a, but, uh, a master of the medium because mm-hmm. he was so involved. And on the other hand, it's like anything else. It's great that he's that involved, and he's obviously very good at creating this type of industry. But when you have a madman as the one in control who's that good of it, you know, it's like you gave an evil power, you gave the power to the evil guy. You know what I mean? And But he's not like a madman. I mean, he's, I guess madman's not the right phrase. I mean... He's not... The the problem is, I mean, I, I feel like I'm going to repeat some of what I said from Promising Young Woman. He's yeah. not like... Well, he's not an outlier. They make that pretty yeah. clear. That's how yeah. the movie ends, right? I mean, it's never, you know, Rupert Murdoch has no allegations against him. But the kind of, the, the giant eye roll the movie does at the end is like, here comes another dude who his first statement is, I want to thank Roger Ailes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and then you find out that the network paid more... To severance, yeah. In severance to Roger Ailes and Bill O'Reilly than they did to the survivors of their harassment yes. combined. Yes. Um, but, yeah, it's... But my, my point is, I, I, did, I just didn't recognize, I didn't realize that Roger Ailes had that much control over yeah. the Fox News. I assumed he was just some rich dude being a scumbag in his office and the operational shit was just kind of happening. I didn't realize he was so, I want to say balls deep, but that sounds inappropriate into the, (laughs) the the organization. Um, I had never heard of him until this happened at all. But what I had seen was like a lot of super cuts of uh, Gretchen Carlson um, stitched together of her like passive aggressively responding mm, or like yeah. gritting her teeth or rubbing her forehead. Um, and I remember all of those. Um, yeah. Well, and I think it was interesting at the end of the movie, again, some spoilers coming out. But again, if you were paying attention to the news, this is this is like one of those movies where you know the Titanic sinks at the end. So none of this is, is a real spoiler. But... Um, she says that she makes that comment at the end where, they, where she signs the deal for the twenty mil, and they tell her like we, they are going to issue an official apology, but you can't be the one saying stuff anymore. We're essentially going to muzzle you, and she says kind of, which I think is like a wink, like the movie is doing what I'm assuming the filmmakers think Gretchen Carlson wants them to do, right? The movie is her 
is her being unmuzzled without being unmuzzled. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. So I think there was a little wink and nod there. Um, it wasn't greatly reviewed by the critics when it came out. Its aggregate score on Rotten Tomatoes is 68%. Its audience score is higher. I think it's like 90% or something. But um, what do you think about that? I mean, as a as a film, like if you you know, is it a? It's not a great movie, right? It's not a great movie. Um, it's a pretty brave movie. Yeah, I would call. It, yeah, I guess. You're not only ma- you're not only making a statement about Roger Ailes with this movie. You're making a mm-hmm. statement about the entire industry. Yes. I feel like the number of actors, like no, like. Even if they're not notable, again, they were noticeable, like Trisha Helfer, mm-hmm. um, who who came out for this, is a testament to either they've dealt with it or they know someone who's dealt with it and wanted to be a part of the, of telling this story. Yep. To me, that's what they're involved. Because when do you see, it's very rare that you see a movie with like this Promising young woman was the last. Yeah, like where there's just where like everyone is someone with yeah. a name. Um, a real so, ensemble cast. Yeah. yeah. Um, it just, it's surprising. I mean, uh, it's interesting to me that it it didn't do it got favorable critic reviews, but it wasn't like it it it, it got crazy good re- reviews. And the box office, it did okay. It was made for about 30 mil. It made about 60 mil, so it doubled its budget. But for a movie of this big names in it, that's really not a huge profit margin because they probably had to pay. I mean, think oh, every big name actor comes with a big price for the movie company. So, yeah, I just I guess what I'm thinking is, it. I really enjoyed it, and it's kind of surprising to me that it's not a more widely seen movie, and it didn't get that much. Praise. I mean, I guess when it came out, it was competing against a lot of other Roger Ailes type of productions. Yeah. You know, there was apparently a a uh, Russell Crowe Showtime series called The Loudest Voice. There was a Roger Ailes documentary. Yeah. So there's some theories, if you read stuff on the movie online, that the reason it wasn't more widely seen was that it was like such an oversaturated movie when it um, topic when it came out that it was... You know, and we talked about this, I think, in expectations. Like, it's one of those things where maybe it was just produced too soon. Well, yeah. Uh, so one of our listeners, uh, Mark Schwann, uh, said he enjoyed it a lot, but it felt like The Loudest Voice did a better job telling the story, but it was still solid. Okay. Um, That's on Showtime, yeah, like, right? Yeah, Showtime. It, it's, you know, it's hard reliving this stuff. Mm-hmm. When it's either, like, because not only are you, and I'm progressive. Mm-hmm. Sorry, but I voted for Hillary. Like, to relive the 2016 election through this movie. Yeah. Like, I wasn't really quite, like, I don't want to. I did yeah. that. I did that, and it wasn't that it's, long ago. It's kind of in the background, you know I mean? though. Like the 2016 election isn't prominent, right? I mean, it's kind of it's happening. Kind, it's like almost a subplot in the movie. Yeah, but it's. But it's still there. Yeah, and it's very recent history. <laughs> yeah. for all of us. So it's just like, I don't know. Do you really want to watch that again? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to see the Roger Ailes story, but again. I knew about it through the news. Yeah. 
So it's just, I don't know, again, and if if you're inundating the market yeah. with this story over and over again yeah. that only just happened. I just remember the trailer for this coming out. And that was a big deal in the film world because I remember the, uh, what's it called when it's a, it's a very short trailer? Is it, is it a, I can't believe I can't think of a Teaser? Name. A teaser. Wow. I remember when the <laughs> teaser for this came out, it was just the shot of the three of them in, in the in the elevator. Um, Megan Kelly, played by Shirley Saron, Gretchen Carlson, played by Nicole Kidman, and then Margot Robbie, who's the only fictionalized character in the film. And the three of them are in the elevator, and I think that was the entire teaser, and they're all kind of looking at each other. And I remember it created a lot of buzz because everybody was like, is that really Megan Kelly? Like yeah. the, the the makeup was so good. Yeah. People wanted to see the movie to see that. And um Kate McKinnon's in this. Yes. Jesus. Who was also incredible. She's that so- whole sequence where Margot Rob- Robbie's character is calling McKinnon about everything when she's on the date. To, uh, to me, yeah. to me was the most powerful scene in the film. Yeah. Like that moment of her just wanting to tell somebody and this is the only person she can tell and then kind of reliving it but not re- like that whole series between both actresses and the moment that was like to me the best part of the movie. Yeah. The rest of it was kind of like watching almost like a West Wing episode to me. That's what I mean like the yeah. like it wasn't like I wasn't gripped by the story. I wasn't like really emotionally invested. No, me neither. I mean We've talked about how I was at the end of Promising Young Woman, just yes. completely like just, a puddle. Yeah, yeah, just torn up, torn up. Yeah. Um, and I never really felt that with this, but again, I knew what was coming. None of it was surprising. Yep. Um, I would say watch the movie if you wanted yeah. a better understanding of the Roger Ailes saga. So, can we talk about? Because this was something that was on my mind. Uh, the whole time. It's another... We got a lot of listener reviews this time. Sweet. Um, This one is from Art of Tom Burks. I never had an interest in a movie glorifying a woman who made repeated racist comments on Fox News. It would be like someone making a movie about Matt Lauer after he breaks a corruption story. I mean, good job, but you're still a huge douche canoe, which (laughs) douche canoe is one of my favorite... um, Yeah, it's a good one. ...insults. But, so, this movie paints Megyn Kelly... In a decent light, yes. Um, sh- it makes her a uh, a pretty um, redeemable, a little bitchy at times character. But yeah. um, but bitchy, like she's she's doing what she needs to survive, yes. not yes. like you know. Um, it makes her very sympathetic. But in the back of my head, and now I'm not. I only what I know about Megyn Kelly is what I've read in headlines. Mm-hmm. I'm don't watch Fox. Mm-hmm. I was never interested in watching her. She's on CNN now, I think. Is she? Yeah. She got fired from MSNBC, right? I think she she's had a on show. CNN. I could be wrong. I thought she was hired by NBC. She has a show now. I know that. She was... Are you sure she currently has a show? I'm not sure. I thought she did, though. She had a book. <laughs> Good job. She's a, lo- she's a local girl. I'm pretty pretty sure... Okay. Bethlehem. She went to Bethlehem High School. That's interesting. That's it is not interesting. far from here. It is. <laughs> That's not far from where we are. Um, you look that up, but I'm pretty sure I, I, I was pretty sure she went to MSNBC. 
uh, or NBC, and was given a, a it was show. was an NBC from 2017 to 2018. Yes, when she continued to act like a douche canoe. Oh, she currently produces a podcast, The yeah. Mel Kelly Show, and is also active on, on Instagram and a YouTube channel. She was fired from NBC for continuing to make horrible comments and be just a general all-around awful person. But it, but I only know that from... Oh, she also went to Albany Law School. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. I only know that from things that I've read. Mostly, like, articles I read on Celebitchy, which is my favorite celebrity blog. Like, how did you feel about that? Did you ever watch her show? Like, was it... Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, actually, I don't know if I've ever, if I actually ever sat down to watch Megyn Kelly. I, I remember watching her as an anchor more than anything. Like when she just had an anchor, uh, I never watched. I, what was it, the Kelly File or something? Um, you know, her whole thing is that I mean, she is a lawyer, and her whole shtick was always that she looked at things from a legal perspective. Um, but I remember her as an anchor. I don't remember her. I again, I'm not a huge. I, I'm, a, I'm a political junkie. I'm not like a news junkie. Like I yeah. don't, we don't watch, really watch like, Fox. No, we don't watch. We don't Fox. really watch we any don't watch network. Local news. Yeah. We don't have cable. We don't. So we don't cable. watch a lot. <laughs> we haven't had cable in a long time. So she's just not somebody that's a part of our lives like that. Um, yeah. Like I again, I, I I don't think there's any news anchors that are though. Like we don't. It's not like we turn to, you know. I like Jake Tapper, <laughs> like. We don't turn to somebody for our yeah. news. I so, I, again, I know she makes some comments, but I always know. I also know she's a very, like, smart woman. I don't know. I mean. I felt com- I felt uncomfortable symp- sympathizing with Megyn Kelly. Though, like, yeah. I guess. That's a tough statement to make after <sighs> watching a movie like this and Promising Young Woman. I know. So I'm trying to like sort sort through this here because she's from what I know of her and admittedly I've never watched a show. It's just through reading stuff. Mhm. She's not a good person. But then I, then then I the argument that I'm then making is then well, well bad then bad women deserve to be harassed which is not what I'm saying so her you, I can sympathize with what she's going through throughout the course of her career mm-hmm. and what these other women have gone through because it's all too prevalent um but it felt weird to come out of this liking her character because I don't like her does that make sense I guess. I mean, you just have to, I think, break out of the partisan political mold that we put people in when it comes to trauma. You know, and I think that's what your brain's probably working through is you have her in this box of a bad person, but in reality, in the context of sexual harassment, that should have no bearing on how you feel about her situation. Okay. Like, I think it is okay to compartmentalize the I don't like her political stance and views and comments and things. I think it makes her a bad person 
over here and one half of your brain and the other half of the brain go be like she went through some sexual harassment and that's fucked up and I sympathize her with that like her, those two things can yeah. both be true at the same time and as, I mean her attaching her name to Gretchen's is what ended him and yeah it was a br- I mean you can say whatever you want about Megan Kelly and Gretchen Carlson what they did in that moment for that channel was a tough thing to do and took yeah courage both um, things she can be a horrible person and have done a really brave thing yeah i mean again uh, I'm, I'm, in I'm, the name of women and both <laughs> of those things can be true yeah i mean i'm a little more liberal with horrible person than you are you know but i think you know at the end of the day she's a pundit she's a political pundit political pundits say stupid shit all the time that's why i hate 24-hour news networks like they say dumb shit. I mean, she she would step in it a lot. Yeah. Um, do you want me to read a couple of these others? Yeah, let's get do a couple I think, more. I mean, I think I only have. It's one interesting more, maybe to me that more. we have a lot more listener reviews for this than some of the other movies we've done. But this is the one that I thought I knew the least amount of people that had seen the movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, one one person, Aaron Northrup, one. Uh, I grabbed it to watch for the amazing makeups by uh, Kazuhiro yep. Suchi, yep. but didn't have time to watch the movie, just the features. Um, mm. So I think the, again, that's like all I knew mm-hmm. about the film was the makeup. Yeah. Um, so I think that that kind of uh, almost outshined it. And then uh, Case Face 104, I loved this movie. I don't know why it wasn't talked about more. Probably because liberals hate Fox, but conservatives hate to admit sexual harassment. There were scenes where my no, skin... Right. What? <laughs> yeah. There were scenes where my skin felt like it was crawling, but it was an important story to be told, so that tends to happen. I think, again, I think sometimes the reason it didn't come out had nothing to do... The reason more people were talking about it didn't have to do with political issues and more just like... You had three big things come out of a right again. It's they oversaturated the market with Roger Ailes stories. Yeah, like I haven't even heard of the Russell Crowe one. I didn't even know the Russell yeah, Crowe one exists. Neither. You know, and it's probably because it's like that. It's like you know when Armageddon is made and there's six more asteroid movies made. Like none of them are great. Yeah. You know, same type of thing. I mean, Roger Ailes was a hot story, and everybody was like, "I want to get my version out first, and everybody suffers. Yeah. So, what do you want to grade it? Um, I think it's a B plus movie, but with A plus acting. So I think I would give it. I think I'll stick with B plus. I'm gonna go B. It's all right. Cool. Thanks everybody for listening. Us ends episode 23 and we only have four left in season one so do us a favor if you like us leave us a rating on apple Podcasts, and while you're there let us know how we're doing you can even leave us a movie recommendation we'll be watching your recommendations in season two you can also find us on twitter at kid goes down pod and on letterboxd under nicole underscore atkgd and matt underscore atkgd ready for one word always Am I ready for one word? Never. (laughs) Source code. Intriguing. Undeserving. Wow. Bombshell. Makeup. Brave. Cool. Good job. After the
the Kid Goes Down is brought to you by Matt and Nicole, researched by Ariana Gracia, music and editing by Kate Falconer, produced by Matt Robinson and Nicole Robinson, associate producer Kate Falconer. Thank you.